in the studio we have Rosie Overall from the uh, Media Film Communications Department. Good afternoon, Rosie. Hi, George. Um, cheers for, for coming in. Uh, Rosie is a regular, re- regular guest uh, on, on the show, uh, and I thought um, I would get her in to talk about the hashtag MeToo uh, movement, which is a, a, a kind of a, a, a big deal at the moment. What, what's the uh, general gist of, of, of the hashtag MeToo movement? Um, I'm, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really interested in hashtag politics generally, but mm. um, this is, a, the, I guess, the most recent example of um, hashtag politics at play. So we might think of earlier examples like hashtag Black Lives Matter, um, but Me Too started um, late last year when um, there was um, these, you know, um, allegations came out about particular Hollywood uh, figures. I guess the most famous was Harvey Weinstein. Mm. And when um, women like Rose McGowan, the movie star, um, came out telling um, these horrifying stories of sexual harassment and assault, um, a number of other Hollywood women shared similar stories and it kind of went viral um, with a lot of women, ordinary women on social media sharing their stories of sexual harassment um, in workplaces under the hashtag of Me Too. So we had it on Twitter with I guess shorter um, incidents or or people just identifying with the hashtag so just sharing Me Too but not sharing the story but on websites like Facebook it became almost confessional with women sharing um, particular um, personal stories of um, uh, sexual violence um, in workplaces um, under that hashtag Mm. and it's still going so it's been a number of months and uh, still viral and particularly seems to sort of flare up around um, particular uh, media events such as the Golden Globes or um, yeah, Grammys. Yeah, yeah. So w- w- what, it, what is it? Is it solidarity or... I mean, it's it's saying me too, isn't it? It's, mm. is it what, what, what does that mean? Is it me? Yeah. Well, it's a, again, this is a really interesting question in terms of um, hashtag politics is I guess a big thing for media scholars is thinking about can um, these kind of expressions of solidarity on um, social media um, manifest or materialise into solidarity on the ground or a sense of group identity? So in this case, we think about perhaps women or feminists coming together under that hashtag. Mm. Um, Me too. You know, I'm included in this story. I'm included in um, damning or um, decrying this kind of patriarchal violence. But at the same time, it hinges on a very individualised story. So it's the self, the subject, me, sharing a particular story. And, of course, uh, feminism has always sort of been around the personal is political. But um, I think in some ways, maybe in true Hollywood style, we've sort of maybe lost um, the sense of solidarity of this as a fight against patriarchy um, through a kind of concern with the salacious details and the sort of singular stories of particular um, in, um, very unusual people, movie stars, yeah. right, rather than ordinary uh, women. Mm. I, I, I can imagine there's there's two levels to it. There's, you know, I can imagine in, in our community there's been some kind of, you know, consequences or implications or solidarity or whatever. But then there's... Um, I guess how we'd see it on on our on our social media and and that kind of thing and and as you say the the celebrity thing has been has been a big one the Golden Globes uh, they had a dress code of of wearing black 
um, and I kind of cynically look at the the Hollywood establishment and 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 think you know tear the whole thing down. Um, what, what was your reaction to that to to the Golden Globes um, thing? Well, um, I sort of had a number of reactions. Um, firstly. So there was the sort of act of wearing black, but this, of course, became immediately folded back into the the machine of Hollywood. So Hollywood is, um, like any other industry, it's designed to make profit and sell units or move units. So we still had the rehearsal of um, the uh, red carpet interviews, naming brands and all this, though, of course, mm. we couldn't wear... Um, Harvey Weinstein's wife's brand, which I think fair fair dues. Um, But this idea... um, But again, at the same time, it was a striking kind of moment in the sense that it drew attention to the problem of um, patriarchy and sexual harassment. Then we have the second moment of the Golden Globes, which is Oprah's um, speech, right? (laughs) So um, this speech, of course, has kind of become legendary already, um, partly because we had the moment of people saying this is like a proto-presidential um, mm. speech, but also she um, sort of hooked that speech onto the Me Too campaign. Um, and I thought, of course, it ran on that rhetorical way that American politics often runs. Um, it was very seductive, but um, it also had this sense that she was saying everything but patriarchy. She was talking about women and sisterhood and solidarity and, again, detailed a particular story of sexual violence, a horrible story that she sort of started the speech yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. But there was this sense that, um, we need, um, that we need to sort of rat out or sort of ferret out the bad people in the industry and that will sort of overcome it, whereas this is kind of a simplistic view of um, how patriarchy works. It's embedded structurally. But also it intersects completely with uh, global capital. So the industry as a whole, you say, to tear down Hollywood. Well, yes, to sort of rid um, uh, the world of patriarchy, we have to also look at the structures in which it's embedded, which are capitalist structures. These men who've been um, outed are producers. They're the men with the money, Mm. Um, just in the Hollywood example, but also in the music industry. So, um, you know, Kesha's um, aggressor was a, a music producer. These kinds of things are intertwined. So it's almost like you want... Um, I mean, I don't have so much faith in celebrities, but the kind of bluster and celebration of O's speech, though, as I said, I enjoyed watching it and it had powerful, quotable sound bites, um, didn't really have the push that I think um, a lot of the sort of hysterical response that celebrating her mm. um, warrant, warranted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny how it's a historical moment, moment right off the bat. Yeah. Can can we... Is it is it possible to, for celebrity to talk about those things like capital uh, and patriarchy and how they intersect or is it is it is that impossible politics it's a really good question and again it's one that we often think about as you know in media and film studies and i think um i think one of the good outcomes of me too has been the everyday outcomes in the sense as you said locally people have talked about it within Mm. our cultural industries or creative spaces Um, within sites like institutions like the university. People have kind of used perhaps some of the language of Me Too to actually articulate their own concerns with um, sexual violence, which cannot be bad. 
However, um, there is a tension within an industry like the film industry or the music industry or any of what um, some thinkers call the culture industries where it becomes um, difficult to separate what the, so, so the brand ambassador of that culture, so a celebrity, they're tied to a particular label or a studio or producer, um, says from their brand image. So um, a cynical look would be perhaps that Me Too becomes part of their brand. And um, in a way then the statements become almost emptied of their charge and uh, polit political potential. Mm. And I think this is a broader problem with hashtag politics. Um, I often put into my normal everyday speech, hashtag this, hashtag that, to sort of draw attention to how weird and silly it is <laughs> yeah, that this yeah. has become a thing. But it's also a way of flattening things. Like if I go on Twitter, um, ANZ Bank will have hashtags around orientation week or getting students to join up um, mm. to a bank account or any commodity Coca-Cola will have, you know, or Pepsi, Taste of a New Generation, whatever slogan. So these hashtags work on that same level, and I worry that there's a kind of horizontal move here which mm. um, kind of flattens out um, uh, politics. Yeah, yeah, because you see, you, you see fast food joints like Wendy's and stuff engaging in, in politics on Twitter, which is just really kind of cringy. Yeah. Um, on, on, on that word flattening, did, did you see Matt Damon's how he kind of got into trouble i mean this is a this is a different kind of flattening uh or what some some people would argue is a flattening and that's the the um heaping of all uh sexual harassment behavior into into one thing uh and as a feminist i'd, I'd be keen to to see what you think about about that well i think um that was a a pretty vulgar not vulgar um clumsy comment mm, by yeah, him yeah. And it is a problem, um, which I guess maybe wasn't his place to to weigh in on it. Like, um, and I can see why he was critiqued for that because it's sort of like, well, a lot of um, particularly around feminist issues, it's it's a space where women really need to, um, or feminists need to sort of make and materialise um, the the discourse and um, 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 discussion on that idea of uh, flattening. I think. Um, this is something which um, calls for, um, I guess, um, a, a serious and engaged look at how sexual violence works. I don't think anybody in the Me Too movement, and certainly the women who um, have accused people like Weinstein, are interested in kind of um, <laughs> making equivalences between what could be um, seen as, I guess, um, harassment and stuff like rape. Mm. Um, and I think it would do the women a disservice to say that there is this kind of... Um, a, a um, uh, uh, um, normal um, kind of equivalence between the the two things. However, when something does get reduced to a hashtag, I can see how that impression would get forward. Um, that and it's easy then for perhaps people who are misogynist or um, conservative to sort of see the movement as some kind of um, uh, um, a sort of a, a sort of a hysterical campaign by women to stop men um, touching their shoulders or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. So. I mean, I think it's more complicated than that, but it's certainly I do I do have a sort of concern about um, the kind of waves of hashtag politics. They mm. also like this one's got legs, so to speak, but um, these things also come and go. And um, yeah, I mean, in the, earlier in this week there was mega me too trending in New Zealand, 
which was a kind of a campaign against a particular tweeter. Oh, right. Top, oh, right. top yeah, trending, yeah. and, of course, that's gone now. So things sort of come mm. and go. Yeah. And it's like Twitter dramas, which I is know. always a bit funny. It's sort of another, as you say, on the local level, it plays out quite differently around particular types of uh, yeah. politics, yeah. And most most people don't know what the hell's going on. Mm. Um, on the, uh, you know, touching the shoulder kind of thing, there, there have been w- women that have, have, you know, that aren't Matt Damon and a woman, but uh, in, the, um, in, the, in this industry, in the cultural industry, that have come forward... Uh, and and uh, what I'm talking about is uh, Catherine Deneuve, um, who, uh, along with a whole bunch of other uh, female professionals, wrote this open letter uh, in in France, basically kind of, I guess, maybe clumsily again critiquing uh, the Me Too um, movement. Um, what, what what were your thoughts on that? I thought this was an interesting moment because. Um, it was a. It also. I think it speaks to so many issues within the feminist movement. It was easy for a lot of Western women or Western Anglo women, um, Anglophone women, to say, "Oh, well, this is a typical French woman's response," which I think is too simplistic. Which is what, what, what my first reaction to. Yeah, it was. yeah. Of course, French women have this sort of uh, you know essential sensuousness yeah, that yeah. feels uh, intimidated by these. Puritanical Americans, <laughs> but but what it does speak to is perhaps something between second and third wave feminism. Mm. In Australia, this played out in the early nineties around um, a second waver called Helen Garner, who wrote a book called The First Stone, which was about uh, women accusing a, a college master at Melbourne Uni of sexual harassment. So he'd he'd groped a woman's breast at a college function. And she sort of said, well, you know, our second wave has fought for the sort of right for you to flirt and all this, and now you've come back at us and are calling it harassment whilst you're still insisting on wearing lipstick and all this. It was a very sort of, again, I'm sort of very simplifying her argument, but um, she kind of talked about this idea in terms of the privilege of um, women of my generation and younger women have, she talked about it in terms of privilege, to be able to sort of distinguish between what's harassment and not. Um, I think this is another moment of that tension between second wave feminists and perhaps third wave feminists. However, what my sort of takeaway from it is, is that it is complicated. It's not as simple as exclusion or um, the shutting down of discussion over what sexual consent means or what sexuality means or what, um, I guess, the interaction between men and women in terms of intimacy might mean. I think these things need to be discussed Mm. and need to be sort of nuanced as well. Um, This doesn't mean, and and certainly if a woman feels unsafe or um, uh, the attentions of a man are unwanted, it's absolutely within her rights to sort of push that away and um, say, fuck off or don't Mm. do that. Um, however, if um, there's different sort of circumstances um, here too. I was saying, um, and again, this goes back to the, what we call the Helen Garner moment in Australia. There was a book that sort of came off this. Bear with me. I'm sorry I'm telling no, an Australian yeah, story. Um, called Body Jamming. And um, it was kind of a response to that from women of the third wave. And Rosie Bray Doddy, who you might have read her mm-hmm. stuff at uni, wrote an essay in that. And she talked about how women almost feel it, like some, um, it's sort of like um, affect or something that fills the room. You know when a guy is sleazy Mm -hmm. and this kind of, um, you need to be within your rights to be able to get out of there 
or say that's unsafe and change the situation. Not you personally, you might have to go and tell someone else, but um, there's also situations where something like that might happen, not groping a boob, but maybe touching someone where it it is sort of acceptable and okay, and that doesn't cancel out the other situations where you say it's not okay. What I'm trying to say is that it's difficult to sort of draw a binary line Mm. here, and it's far more complicated uh, perhaps than Catherine Deneuve or Matt Damon or Oprah could Mm. ever sort of account for. And it's something I think feminists and feminist media studies are sort of trying to grapple with. Me too. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To end, uh, I guess the the drawing of, of a very sharp line um, is this this app? Uh, this was an article in the spin-off about this app, app and it was uh, called Legal Fling, um, and this apparently uh, creates a legally bl- binding agreement on consent. Now, this would, as you say, would would draw a, a, a sharp binary in. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> what, what do you think of this generally? Well, I'm interested in a number of things here. Firstly, that um, it's another example, I guess, of how our bodies are completely entangled with techno-culture. Mm. Okay, we can say, okay, we have been since the printing press or since the pen. But at this moment now, we're becoming more and more kind of drawn in and mediated by smart apps or algorithmic apps so Tinder or um, whatever dating apps people use <laughs> um, work on algorithms. You know, they'll sort of prompt your um, preference for blondes or whatever it is. But um, this one, I guess, tries to sort of manage the sexual but relationship, the intimacy between human bodies by producing, I guess, a legally binding agreement. I think this could be useful um, for um, if, if you um, are that way inclined to sort of feel like you need to do that. Because, I mean, it is a serious thing in court and things like that, whether, you know, there's contention for rape victims over whether they consented or not. This would clear those things up. But I also do find it quite troubling that um, um, this entanglement. But at the other end, I mean, sexting, selfies, these kinds of things are already sort of putting that media entanglement into um, the kind of... Mediascape we live in. So I, to me, the, I guess this isn't so surprising. It's probably just a logical step and um, actually demonstrates there's a market need for um, this mm. um, kind of technology. But I would really be interested if people tweet into your um, to Radio 1 mm. or um, text in what they um, think of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it would be interesting to see if it actually gets used because, I mean, it, it's not always... Um, the case that there is a market need sometimes the, these apps just kind of pop up mm. get the news articles yep. um, that they obviously deserve and yeah um, thanks for coming in Rosie um, it's been very insightful uh, and we'll probably have you in again at some stage thanks for having me George bye it's uh